Paul. I had, um, <clears throat> hold on just a second before we, you can, I, I meant start the CD, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said that backwards, didn't I? Um, you know, I was getting ready for tonight and uh, had had everything ready for, uh, I was going to start talking on, uh, I was going to start talking on redemption tonight. And, you know, talking about some of the words that we, that we were, that we kind of throw out there sometimes and, and we, a lot of times we don't understand what they mean, you know, so I had everything ready and I was finishing up my notes and I just kept, and I always get the picture of Brother Hagin because Brother Hagin always described it as, uh, he always described it as, uh, 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 you know, like when, when you know something, like you're doing something and it's not exactly right, he always talks about it like, like you're washing your feet with your socks on, you know, like you can just tell something's not right, you know, and the whole time I was preparing yesterday and today, I just kept thinking, you know, I kept thinking, man, I just don't know. I don't know. And and um, and then, so the Lord started speaking to me about this. And I know I've talked a little bit about this before, and even Sunday I read this scripture. But but uh, I want to talk tonight about uh, about the secret place and and just finding our place in the secret place of God. And actually, uh, we do need to watch that video before we before I start this. So we're going to watch the end of today's update. And then I want, we'll come back. I don't know why I, why I didn't do that to begin with. But let's watch this because there's some interesting stuff in here that happened this week. So, uh, so we'll watch the end of today's update and then, and then we'll talk about this. <clears throat> Arkansas at Beyond Church. People were so hungry. It's so neat to see people hungry and, and gathering together because the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some would do, especially as you see the day approaching. So that's what we're looking at each week on the end of day's update is looking at things that are happening around Israel that point to uh, the coming of the Lord. The, the second coming is filled with signs. We've got about 50 precise signs about the second coming, but the rapture is signless. So we, we look at what happens right after the rapture, and that would be the Ezekiel 38 war. And man, you're seeing the setup for that. You see the players coming on the field for that. So much happened this last week. So let's pick up with what's happened around Israel that point to the coming of the Lord. I think the last couple of days, the main thing that pointed to the coming of, of the Lord is a precursor to the Antichrist trying to bring uh, peace for the Palestinians and Israelis. So President Trump unveiled his Mideast peace plan last week. There was a lot of talk of it. I have never seen the Israelis so positive about it, even before it came out. Well, it came out yesterday, very detailed, uh, being fair to the Palestinians and bringing them about $50 billion in business. Uh, an amazing uh, setup for what it would be. And there's so many uh, details of it. I want to go into some of the details. And really, first of all, talk about my conservative friends in Israel all know that land for peace does not work. The moment that Israel gave Gaza to the Palestinians, they, Gaza, they started firing rockets into Israel. They could have made hotels, they could have made golf courses, and they started firing rockets at Israel. Abbas, the leader of the Palestinians, was so mad, he rejected it before it even came out, didn't even look at it. Uh, there were so many Palestinian leaders were invited to look at it, invited to the White House, turned it down, just completely uh, turned it down, supernaturally irrational. Let's talk about this for a minute, because uh, when Ehud Barak was the prime minister of Israel, he offered everything to Yasser Arafat, even Jerusalem, and Arafat turned him down, because it's not about land for peace, it's about existence for peace. But there's so many things that might be a temporary band-aid until the Antichrist comes on the scene with a perfect solution, because I would laugh at how the Palestinians said, we have to have Jerusalem. Now, now think about this. Jerusalem's not mentioned ever in the Quran. But it's holy to them somehow. How weird that is. Jerusalem's mentioned in the Bible 660 some odd times. So the whole focus, not just on the West Bank. I love how Israel's already annexing areas in the Jordan Valley. In the middle of all this happening, you had the Attorney General in Israel filing charges against Trump. I mean, filing charges against Netanyahu. And then America's tr trying to impeach President Trump. So it's just kind of wild, the, the, the background of what's going on spiritually in the midst of all this happening. So... I mean, with this, America sent a huge uh, baton battle group, aircraft carrier group to the Middle East just because of Iran. I mean, 2,400 Marines uh, ready for anything that could happen because Iran keeps coming out with bizarre stuff. No one even mentioned this. This still even kind of freaked me out uh, this week. I know I get this every week is Israel took out another missile depot right outside of Damascus. There's not one word on regular news channels at all. Only the three or four in Israel talked about it. 
there's been so much preoccupation with the peace plan uh, that they didn't even talk about another section of the Iranian missiles getting taken out by Israel. Now, that's a big deal because we talked about it the other day how Iran is basically the nuclear watchdog said that Iran would have fissile material for a nuclear bomb by the end of this year. What that tells me is Israel will have to do something. So. Many uh, changes are getting ready to happen. <laughs> when you have Iran with the ability to take out uh, a city in Israel or even two cities in Israel, Israel will have to retaliate with some, some crazy strikes. So you had Turkey. You had a massive earthquake in Turkey the last few days. Along with that, they say it looks like Istanbul is getting ready to have another uh, massive earthquake as well. Turkey's still a big broker working with Libya and Egypt down there uh, with the battles that they're having there. So Tur- Turkey's kind of stretching its legs out a little bit along with uh, Russia because you see that in, in Syria with, with, with what's going to happen right before the coming of the Lord. So you're, you're watching the, the, the players on the field for the whole situation right before the coming of the Lord. Many other things keep happening that are just are really exciting. Uh, probably uh, three or four things that we talked about last week. You had water uh, filling up the, the bass around the Temple Mount uh, this last week. That's pretty crazy. You had a fulfillment of Psalms 48 with a gathering of leaders talking about the Holocaust. Uh, forum. Uh, we had Holocaust Remembrance Day this last week. This is pretty crazy. You had students, <laughs> college students in Europe, comparing the Holocaust, uh, which, which is bizarre, to, to climate change. Six million Jews getting killed, and they compare, comparing it to climate change. That's how that's how messed up everything is mentally with the whole situation. So, along with that, this was pretty cool. You had the Sanhedrin have a, a, a conference on the third temple, and I love that they invited all of the Islamic leaders there. And that's when they hammered uh, Jerusalem has a tie with Israel, but no tie with Islam. Not even mentioned in the Quran, but mentioned 660 some odd times in the Bible. So they're having meetings about getting ready for the temple, the third temple. I love that an Israeli scientist mathematically projected that it's time for, it's the twilight and the time for the Messiah to come. So all these things are little players in, in the big scope of God getting ready to come back to the planet. So he's regathered Israel. He's got Jerusalem one back. And all this focus on this land all around there is happening right now in the whole world because Jesus is getting ready to come back. So always go back to Scripture where we look at Israel made a nation in 1948. Jerusalem won back in 1967. Jesus said the group of people that sees those two events won't pass away until all fulfilled. That's pretty remarkable. He said you could see this and you could know this. Uh, what is that from? So you can see physically land, Israel coming back to their land. Physically Jerusalem getting one back. Jesus made it super clear. But then you have even more clarity. You have the Ethiopian uh, Jews brought back in one day, 18,000 airlifted. You have the Hebrew language restored. you got the revival of the Roman Empire. Pretty amazing, all these things. The fertility of the land of Israel. You have 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up. Why? At the Ezekiel 38 war, he, God calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later, at the Battle of Armageddon, God calls on the fowl of the air again. So you have the cleanup crew in Israel. Along with that, I mean, you have the, the Temple Mount Institute that's ready to have sacrifices. They have red heifers. They have the oil of anointing. They have every one of the instruments ready. This last April, they had a sacrifice on the edge of the Temple Mount and were not arrested. I mean, there was a time a few weeks ago where people even got up on the Temple Mount and prayed and weren't arrested. That wouldn't have happened years ago. So this is, everything's coming together for Jesus to come back. Many more signs. Men will be lovers themselves with selfie sticks. You got Ezekiel prophesying about fish showing up in the Dead Sea. Happened this last year in 2019. That's radical. Last week they found a river going from Jerusalem to the Dead Sea, an unknown river. That one's another crazy one fulfilling scripture, fulfilling prophecy. So all these things leading up to the coming of the Lord. And once you have all those uh, natural signs, and uh, you go to signals. And that would be the planets. You had blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. Pretty radical to have four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? NASA called it a tetrad. The last time you had that was 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel was made a nation. And 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you've got blood red moons. You had the Bethlehem Star last year. Remarkable. Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus coming together. NBC Nightly News said we have a celestial event. First time in 2,000 years. You had Mercury do a flyby. The sun went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. The planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Orion changed its instrument to hammer. You had hammer and sickle on the same day. What's that? That's Russia's symbol. So all this stuff is getting ready uh, for pressure. Uh, more pressure to be put on Israel because the Messiah is about to come. 
<laughs> it's his second coming. But how exciting is that that we have the heads up and have all the technology? I hear people all the time say, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Why would the Lord go to so much trouble to show us verse after verse after verse, sign after sign after sign, to show, show you what it looked like right before he comes. Why? He loves you. He wants you expectant. He wants you excited. I say it this way. When Colleen and I got married, when she was walking down the aisle, she didn't go, oh, my God, I'm getting ready to marry that guy. Another one bites the dust. No, she was excited. The Lord wants you happy and expectant and hopeful because you're about to see him face to face. It can't get any cooler than the time that we live. Bible days are here, my friend. You're writing your own chapter of the book of Acts. Well, help your local church, help your local pastor. Get the message out. Jesus is just about to come back. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Amen. Exciting times. Amen. I, I was uh, noticing the way the uh, media portrayed, like just yesterday, you know, Trump signed that, uh, the treaty, or the his, his he uh, unveiled his peace plan, you know, with uh, for the Palestinians. And, and, uh, and every news... Because uh, I, I watched on purpose because I wanted to see how the news res, news media respond, and every one of them, what they talked about was how negative it was from the from the Hamas point of view, from the enemy's point of view. Like they they were saying that all of the Hamas, Hamas leaders rejected it before he even unveiled it, and and talked about you know how how they just they said that it was all just horrible and terrible and and all this stuff. But but like he said he said that he had never seen. The people in Israel, the conservative folks that are that live in Israel, as excited about a peace plan as this one. And I don't believe this. This is not the final peace plan. I mean, you know, the the Antichrist will unveil that final peace plan there, right? You know, right when the right after the rapture of the church. But but uh, but it's definitely the the beginning of it. It could be a precursor to that. So very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, remember that Joseph's going to be with us um, March. I think it's March 20th through the 22nd. Or 19th through the 21st, I can't remember what the dates were, but <clears throat> that second or third weekend in March there. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to to having him here and and go, doing an end time, another end times conference with him and and uh, just hearing all the new stuff that's happening. And so it's going to be really good. <clears throat> all right, so let's open up to James chapter four. Like like I was saying, um, you know, I just really felt like that uh, with everything that we're seeing, and, and just like for example, this week, um, you know, the the new um, that new strain of virus, that the coronavirus or whatever that's out, and everybody's freaking out about it, and you know, and, and saying all this stuff. And I was, I even heard today, right before I came, you know, they were they were saying that, um, you know, that like they're trans, it's transmitting through the eyes now or something. So even a even a mask on your mouth don't help or something like that, you know. And, and just I, I talked to a guy yesterday. He came by by here and he was doing something for me and. And he was asking me, he said, what do you think about that? He said, you know, and I was, I was just saying, I think the media is blowing it out of proportion some. I said, I, I, said, I understand it's a serious thing. I said, I'm not belittling. But, but, you know, he was like, oh, aren't you scared? Aren't you, aren't you worried? It's, man, they, they said it could kill a million people. You know, they said it could kill hundreds of thousands of people in America, you know. And, and, I mean, you could just hear the fear in his voice by just listening to what the media is saying about it. And, you know, and then, of course, and then, of course you know, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant got killed in a, a basketball, a famous basketball player got killed in a, a helicopter crash on Sunday, and of course everybody's talking about that. And, and then I even heard people. Uh, I was watching uh, Fox News, and and one of the one of the ladies said that, well, my friend called and said that she was in Hawaii and she was getting ready to take a, a helicopter ride, and she asked me if I thought it was safe, and I told her I wouldn't get in a helicopter. And I'm thinking, you know, think think about what you're saying, think, you know. It's like this guy, you know, they took off in dense fog, and, I mean, it was really pilot air more than anything. And, I mean, but, you know, now they're saying, oh, I would never get up in a helicopter. Look what happened. He died in a helicopter crash, you know. And, and, but, but just the fear that is all over people, you know. And um, this, at the beginning of the year, the Lord told me to go to read Psalm 91 every day. And so I've been studying Psalm 91, been reading it, been, I, I'm reading it from two or three different translations, and, and uh, and one of the one of the, the the key things that keeps pointing out to me that the Lord keeps showing me is the importance of staying in connection with Him, of staying in the secret place, of learning to live our lives in the secret place. Um, James chapter four. Let's look at this real quick, and then we're going to turn over to Psalm ninety one for uh, for a few minutes tonight. James chapter four, uh, verse number eight. And I, I love this. I love this verse. And uh, it says this, it says, draw near to God, 
and he will draw near to you. And then it, you know, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Um, the, uh, let me read this from the Mirror Bible. Um, it says this, the Mirror Translation says this, Snuggle up to a warm embrace of God. Experience His closeness. The sinner can come with all of his stains washed from his hands. The double-minded can come with a purified heart. And then in parentheses, he adds this, he adds this, this statement. In Christ, every definition of distance or delay is canceled. In Christ, and we've been talking about being in Christ on Sundays, but in Christ, every definition of distance is canceled. You know, it's not a matter, um, it's not a matter of if we can find God. It's not a matter of um, if God wants to have fellowship with us. You know, it's not a matter of, um, of us having to search hard to find God. James, you know, James says, if you will just simply draw near to God, He's going to draw near to you. God's desire, his, He desires closeness to us much more than we desire it with Him. I mean, it's evident in His, in his gift that He gave us for, for you know, His Son. And in John 3.16, we know that scripture. For God so loved the world. You know, it's not just that He loves us, but He so loves us. And He gave us His Son. So, you know, so the point I'm trying to make is this. Sometimes we, we hear things and we see things and we allow, we allow what we see on TV and um, we allow past experiences and, and we allow all kinds of things to influence us. But we have to be careful not to get away from what the Word says. You know, uh, I ministered in healing school a couple of weeks ago, and, and the Lord had me minister a message called, called uh, you know, do you trust God? Well, actually, it was, can I trust God, was the statement, the first question. But then the, the, second, the, the answer to that, you know, can you trust God? Well, the answer to that is yes. But really, the real question is this, will you trust God? You know, will we take the time... To draw near to God. You know, we can, we can spend all day talking about all the negative stuff, talking about, you know, the, the disease and the, the trouble and, and terrorism and, and end times. We, we can spend all of our time talking about that stuff and leave God out of that whole equation. And we find ourselves in a lot of trouble when we do that. So turn, turn with me to Psalm 91 real quick, and we're going to look at it. We're not going to... Well, I don't know. I sort of say we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but we may, may hang out here for a few minutes. Um, I just wrote down some thoughts here because, you know, um, Jesus, if you, if you look at the life of Jesus, there was about three or four times in the New Testament where it said that, that he went away to pray. You know, and, and, and the picture of that is this is that, you know, in connection with Psalm 91, the picture I want you to see is this, that Jesus went, he, he knew the importance of getting to that secret place. He knew the importance of spending time with His Father. He knew the importance. And you say, well, why is that so important? Because it's so important because we have to get, we have to get our direction from Him, not from what we see on TV. Not from what we read in the, in the magazines or on the newspaper. Now listen, and like I said, I'm not a... Um, I'm not. I'm not one to say that, uh, you know, that that all these reports are negative and and you know, and we, there's no need to be afraid of things, no need to be concerned about things. I think there's a part we play. I think we have to use wisdom, in you know, like with with during flu season and during when things like that are, are rampant. I think it's very important we you know that we have proper hygiene and that we that we do the things that that we do to take care of ourselves. I mean, I agree. I agree a thousand percent with that. But there's no need for us to walk around in fear of these things. Now, I grew up, you know, I grew up, my grandfather, man, he was, my grandfather was so full of fear. We had a creek that ran in front of our house, and it was no more than, even when, even when it was real high, it was no more than like knee deep. I mean, you know, it was just, it was just a small mountain stream, basically. Most of the time it was like ankle deep. And some places it would get a little bit deeper, but, but it wasn't. 
it wasn't very deep at all. Like some some places it would get, you know, deeper. But like right in front of the house, it was like ankle deep. Me and my brother, we'd go out and be playing in the creek, you know, or just be doing something near the creek. And I'd hear it, and Grandpa lived like up, up behind Mom's house, Mom and Dad's house. And he'd holler down. He, he used to sit on the porch all the time. And I, I still remember hollering down. He said, he said you boys better get out of that creek. You're going to drown. You know. And still to this day, to be honest with you, still to this day, I still have a fear of water. I mean, I, I'm, I can swim a little bit, but but I, I don't like to swim. I don't I don't like to be in deep water. I don't. I mean, you know, I'll get on a boat and and do some things like that. But I'm not a big water person. And I and I'm, I'm convinced it goes back because I, I heard my grandpa say so many times, "Boy, get out of that creek, you're going to drown." And those words, listen, words are powerful. And when we keep saying things like. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna catch the flu, you're gonna catch a cold, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that, you're gonna drown, you're gonna, you know, when we, when we say things like that, we don't realize the, the impact that it has, maybe not necessarily on, on our, uh, I guess it does have on our conscious mind, but really even our subconscious mind. How it, how it just, it, it just, it put, it gets in us, and then, then all of a sudden, and when we don't even realize it, it'll come out or it'll rear its head, and we, we'll, be, we'll be like, where did that come from? But it's through all these words that are spoken, and even a lot of times, what we speak to ourselves. Now, let's read this from, uh, and I read this Sunday from the, um, from the Amplified Version, but I really like this from the Amplified, because it, it just pulls some things out here. And uh, let's just go ahead and read all of, all of this just real quick. It's just 16 verses. Psalm 91 from the Amplified. Now, here, here's the question I want you to look at tonight, or ask yourself. <clears throat> um, let, let's ask ourselves two questions, and maybe more. I might come up with a third one. But the first question is this. Is God's Word true? Okay? The second question is this. If God's Word is true then will I obey what His Word says? That's two very important questions that we have to ask ourselves. Because, see, because we are confronted, we are confronted with these two questions constantly. When we, when we see things that, um, when we see things that don't line up with the Word, it's all, we're always confronted with the, with the, with the question of, Okay, this doesn't match what the Word says, so which one am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the Word, or am I going to believe the world, or the, or the, or the natural report? Okay, so let's see what, let's see what David um, said here in Psalm 91, and from the Amplified, verse 1. He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Now listen, that, that statement tells us that, this, that Psalm 91 is not for everybody. Psalm 91 will not work for everybody. And the reason I say that is because it says, He who dwells in the secret place. In other words, if you don't take the time to draw near to God, and if you don't take the time to learn how to dwell, learn how to learn how to um, to dwell in the secret place, and learn how to spend time with God, then then this this verse these these verses are not going to do you any good. I always go back. I always think when I, when I read Psalm ninety one, almost every time I think of Keith Moore, and he told Keith Moore told that story that uh, Rama used to have a counseling center, and and they got into counseling. God never told him to do that. And the you know the Lord corrected Brother Hagin on it after a few years of it, but but they 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 had started doing some counseling services, and Keith was manning the phone one night, and this woman called. She was all distraught and and upset and crying, and and you know Keith finally finally said, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And and she says, "Well, I just got I just got mugged, you know, and I just and she said I don't understand it." And and he was trying to console her, trying to figure out what happened, and. And here was her statement. She said, she said, I can't believe this happened. She said, I can't believe God would allow this to happen to me. And he, and he kept saying, well, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. He said, tell me what happened and let's talk about this. And she says, well, she says, well I, I was getting ready to leave the house. And she said, I read Psalm 91 three times. And she said, and she said, and, and I, I just, she said, I read it and I claimed it. And she said, I knew it. She said, and she said, but something just kept telling me that I shouldn't go downtown. And he, she says, well, I just read Psalm 91 again. 
And she said, she said, I felt it again. I shouldn't go downtown. I read Psalm 91 again. And basically what she was saying, she's like, I read Psalm 91 until I quit feeling that. And she said, so then I went downtown and I got mugged. Why did God let that happen? I read Psalm 91. And, and Keith finally is like, he's like, look, woman. He said, he said, that was the Holy Spirit. It was God telling you not to go. And he said, just because you read Scripture is not going to override what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you. See, so Psalm 91 didn't, quote-unquote, work for her because the Holy Spirit was trying to tell her what was going to happen. He was trying to protect her. And yet she overrode that because she, said, because she, was, saying, she was using Psalm 91 as, as a magic formula to say, oh, well, this is going to protect me. I don't care what I'm sensing, what the Holy Spirit's saying, this will protect me. But it doesn't work that way. Notice what it said. It said, he who dwells in the secret. We have to learn to dwell. We have to learn to live. That word dwell is not a, it doesn't mean you show up every once in a while and, and you know, say hi to him and leave. That word dwell, it's, it's the same word as, as what, you, what you do in your house. You, you know, I don't dwell at your house. I dwell in my house. You dwell in your house. In other words, that word dwell, another word that we don't use that word much, you know, but the word, another word we could put was live. He who lives in the secret place. He who spends lots of time in the secret place. He who learns how to, to live out of that place, you know, is, is the, of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Verse 2, he goes on to say, he said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He's my God. And on Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. And see, you, you can, and it's not, and see, those words, now listen, those aren't just magic words that you can say and make them happen for you. What happens is when you start dwelling in the secret place, those words just rise up out of you because you, you start understanding who God is. And you start, you start experiencing Him. And you start seeing Him. And that's the reason when you see Him and when you look at Him and when you spend time with Him, that's just up out of your spirit. It'll start saying, He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. And I'm, on Him, I'm leaning and relying. Because there's nobody like Him. You know, those, it, those aren't just a magic formula. That is something that rises up out of you when you understand who He is. He goes on to say, verse 3, For then, and see, that's another qualifying statement, for then, or we could, we could say because of verse 1 and verse 2, when you dwell in the secret place and when you're able to say those things about God, then God will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now, you know, and, and see, this is, this is where this comes into with this, with this new virus and everything. God will protect you and God can protect you and will protect you, but you have to do your part. Right. Dwelling in His secret place, understanding, learning that He is your refuge, He is your fortress. On Him I will lean and I will rely on Him. What does that mean? When He says, don't go to this place, I don't go. Right. And when He says, wash your hands again, I wash my hands again. Yeah. Amen. See, I'm learning to rely on Him. I'm leaning on Him. I'm relying on Him. I'm not doing this by myself anymore. I'm, I'm trusting in Him. Verse 4. Then, again, that word then, that qualifying statement. Then He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and His faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. Now, then, now listen to verse 5 and 6. Because see, now here's, here's the, quest, the two questions I want to ask yourself. Is God's Word true? And am I going to believe it? Because listen to what he said in verse 5 and 6. You shall not be afraid. So see, if you're afraid of something, then, then you need to go back and spend time in the secret place. You need to go back and rely on Him and trust in Him and see who He is. Because, because evidently you haven't convinced yourself enough yet that He's your refuge and your strength and that He's covered you. Because it says, You shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, 
nor of the arrow, the evil plots, the slanders of the wicked that flies by the day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor of the destruction and the sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. So see, he covers... Now listen to what he covered there. The terror by night, the arrow that flies by the day, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or destruction and sudden death or sudden disaster that surprises and lay waste at noonday. That pretty much covers the whole day. I mean, in other words, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you, when you, when you are trusting in Him and relying on Him and drawing near to Him, He's got you covered. Verse 7, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Now look, I love verse 8 from the Amplified. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Inaccessible. Why? Because you're in the secret place. What's the secret place? I mean, how do you get in the secret place? You're dwelling with Him. Your mind's on Him. You're you're leaning and trusting and relying on Him. You realize He's your refuge. He's your strength. You're not in this by yourself. You're you're listening to Him and you're you're leaning on Him. And and every every step you're asking God is Can I go here? Do I go here? Where, what would you have me do now? What you know? Where where do I need to go now? And you're listening and hearing and you're you're obeying the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And of course we can say this. You, you understand how important it is now that we learn how to hear from Him. And that we learn to hear His voice. Then look at verse 9. Man, this, I mean, this is incredible. And I, I mean, we could teach a lot on this, but, but I'm just, I just want to read this. i got some other scriptures I want to show you. <clears throat> verse 9, he says this, Because you have made the Lord your refuge, <clears throat> and the Most High your dwelling place. Now, so, so he shifted gears here, and he said, he said you know, it's coming from a different perspective. He says, because now you've done that, because you've made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, here's what's going to happen. There shall no evil befall you, verse 10. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. <clears throat> For He will give His angels a special charge over you to accompany and to defend and to preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon a lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, shall you trample underfoot. Now listen, man, from verse 6, well, I mean, you know, all of that verse, I mean, really all of that Scripture, when you ask yourself this question, when you ask yourself, okay, is God's Word true? And I think we would all say it is. Then the second question is, okay, if it's true... Then am I going to believe it? Am I going to, am I going to obey it? On Sundays, we've been talking about being a doer of the word. Not a hearer only, right? Because when we're a hearer only, when we, when, you know, if you take this, if you take this scripture and you go out of here tonight and you're like, oh, well, that's nice, Pastor, you know, I'm glad that works for you. And you walk out and you don't think nothing else about it, guess what? It ain't going to do you no good. You might as well stay home and watch TV tonight. You know, but we have to we have to learn to start saying, "But God, I trust you. God, I, I believe your word. Your word's true, and this is why I'm, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to I'm not going to let this this whatever whatever it is that's coming against me. I'm not going to let it overcome me. Why? Because I'm dwelling in Him. I'm trusting in Him. He's my strength, my refuge, my fortress. I'm leaning and relying on Him. I'm listening to Him. And and when that happens, then none of this stuff can come near me." He'll protect me. As a matter of fact, I, I love the, the way the Amplified says it, that He'll give His angels a special charge over you. Wow. That not only Now listen, not only do we have God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, now He said, I'll give you angels. Like, like we need anything else other than God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But He says, but now I'll give you angels to watch over you. Come on, man, that's awesome. And then the last three verses... It shifts gears again, and now this is like God speaking to us. And He says this, verse 14 says, Because He, or I like to personalize Scripture when I read it, so <clears throat> so I'll just, like, I, I, when I read this in the mornings, 
I'll read it this way. Because Stephen has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver Stephen. I will set Stephen on high. Because he knows, because Stephen knows and understands my name. Stephen has a personal knowledge of me, of, of my mercy, love, and kindness. Stephen trusts and relies on me. Stephen knows I will never forsake him. No, never. Stephen will call upon me, and I will answer Stephen. Stephen, or it says, I will, I will be with Stephen in trouble. I will deliver Stephen, and I will honor Stephen. With long life will I satisfy Stephen, and I'll show Stephen my salvation. Come on, man. I mean, see, you, see, because the question is, is this, is this just, is this just a, a good, a good chapter of poetry that we read and say, oh, how nice? Or is this something that we say, this is mine. I'm going to dwell in, I'm, I'm going to learn to dwell in the secret place. I'm going to, I'm going to draw near to God. And as I draw near to Him, then this is what, this is how He draws near to me. Well, yeah, Pastor, but you, you know what, what? What about what they said? What about what the you know this is saying and that's saying and and you know what about all this? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm trusting in Him. I'm relying and and and, and trusting in my Father. He's the one that I'm dwelling with. I'm not dwelling with with CNN or Fox News or or MSNBC or CBS or whoever you listen to. I'm not dwelling with them. I'm dwelling with my Father. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Let me show you a couple more, a couple more places here. Matthew chapter six. Matthew six, and uh, this, of course, is Jesus is talking about um, prayer and fasting, and <clears throat> uh, you know when when we were fasting the last the, the first three weeks here. Uh, just finished up Saturday, you know, I was reading some of the scripture and this and this scripture rose up then and and as I was as the Lord was showing me this, you know, it I was reminded of the scripture this this afternoon. And uh look at just start looking at verse five. <clears throat> and um Yeah, verse five verse five and six. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now notice, notice that, I mean, you know, the interesting thing to me was, is that they were praying, right? But how were they praying? They were praying so other people would hear them. I've heard, listen, I've heard testimonies and, and stories about how, like, they're, somebody in the church, you know, somebody knows that they're, that they have, that they that they're wealthy or they have money or something and 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 I've heard people get right up next to them and and make sure they pray out loud. Oh Lord, you know I need five hundred dollars to pay my car pay pay my house payment. You know if I don't if I don't get that money, Lord, I'm going to be convicted or evicted. You know and but they're saying it loud enough so that person make they make sure that person can hear them. And then and then out of the goodness of that person's heart, if if that person did overhear that and bless them. That, that person would go away and say, oh, God met my need. No, he didn't. That guy met your need. Because you just, you just shared everything with him. Now, some, now listen, some, there's, not wrong with, there's nothing wrong with letting people know you have a need. Right? But if we're trusting God, sometimes it's best to, to get, get along in the secret place with God and let Him share it with somebody. And, let, and let, him do, let Him do the work and you don't have to. You don't have to guilt somebody into giving you money. Amen. All right. I'll leave that alone. But verse 6. <clears throat> now listen to this. This is awesome. Verse 6 says this. But you, when you pray, enter into the closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Now, the message translation says it this way. I love this. The message translation says this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God 
And you will begin to sense His grace. Come on. You know, get in, get in the secret place and don't role play before God. Just be honest with Him. I love, I love how it says that. It says, be there, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. In other words, you know, we know this. We know that, that God knows everything that's going on in our lives anyway. You know, and we don't have... Now, God wants us to share our problems with Him. He wants us to have that type of relationship to where, to where we can talk to Him about things. That, that's not the issue. That's not what He's saying here. What He's saying is, just when you go before God, don't try to make a big, a big you, know, you know, oh my God, you know, I love you. Now, how, how, you know, how you talk to your everyday people, talk to God like that. You know, you don't have to put an accent or a huh on it or a, you know, or a spitting and, and slinging stuff, you know. But he said, just be there as honestly and as simply as you can manage. And then the focus will shift from you to God. See, we find God in the secret place. That's where he's waiting for us. It's, it's, when we, it's when you and I draw near to God and He draws near to us. I love, uh, years ago, Tommy Tenney came out with that book, The God Chasers. Y'all remember that book? I mean, that's, that's been a long time ago. And uh, one of the stories I, I always remember in that book, in, in one of the first couple of chapters of that book, that, I mean, that was an incredible book, just about, about searching God and, and, you know, seeking God and, and just being with Him. But uh, in, one of the, in one of the first couple of chapters... He talks about how that, that he loved to play hide-and-seek with his kids. And, but he made this statement. He said, he said when I play hide-and-seek with my kids, he said, I don't hide so they can't find me. He said, I hide so they can find me. And, you know, because the Bible says, seek and you'll, you'll find. So it's not like, it, it, you know, God is not, he's, not going to be... Um, let me see how to say this. Because um, I don't want to say it wrong. Lord, help me with that. He, you know, he's not. It's not like that. Um, he hides just enough so that you have to seek him. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not like he hides from us to 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 be mean to us or something. But but it's almost like it's almost like he, what he's saying is this: that he wants us to desire to find him. He wants he wants to see he wants to see something on our end. Well, James four says that. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. You take the first step, and He'll come running. You know, but you have to take that first step. And and so here He says, He says, you know, uh, you know that God is waiting for us there in the secret place. Um, just real quick, let me let me look here, and I'll skip over some of this. I just wrote some stuff down. Um, Second um, Kings, I'll, I'll just give you this scripture, and, and you can look this up and read this. Second Kings chapter nine is the story where uh, God tells Elijah to go and anoint uh, to anoint Jehu the the new king. And this was when this was when uh, King Ahab and and, Jez, and Queen Jezebel was still reigning. And so so uh, so the God tells God tells Elijah. Uh, to go and, and find Jehu, he said he's in a, a, another city, another place. Said go find him and pull him off to pull him off in secret. And he says, and here's what you're going to tell him: you're going to take the anointing oil, you're going to dump it on his head, you're going to tell him that God's called him to be the new king, and that he that he needs to go and kill kill everybody, kill the whole the royal family, and and because God, God's anointed him as the king. And then, and then uh, he said, "Then when it comes time, you'll you'll take care of Jehu, or you'll take care of uh, King Ahab." And and it says Jezebel will be eaten by the dogs, and no one will come to take her body. And and God told him, he "said Now when you tell him that, he says you take off running, <laughs> you know, because because Jehu was was the was the leader of the army of King Ahab's army. So what what did, what Elijah was telling him." Was go kill your commander, and you know, and you're the new king. Now you go, you go take care of him, and and I've anointed you to be king. So, <clears throat> and so the Bible says uh, he went and he he pulled him off to the secret place, took him into the most holy or into the holy place. It said, and he anointed him. He gave that, and then he took off running. He gave him the word of the Lord, 
And it says when Jehu came out of the when he came out of the secret place, all of his friends like his he said, Are you okay? What, what's up with that dude? He took out of here running, you know. And it says that Jehu came out a different man. He went into the holy place having one thought. He went into the holy place as the leader of the army. But when he got in the secret place and when he heard God's voice, you know what happened to him? He went from being the leader of the army to being the next king. To being the next ruler. And the Bible says, sure enough, he went, they went, and he did exactly what God told him to do. And I know the Old Testament is kind of, the Old Testament is kind of gory, and it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you, sometimes people question, well, why did God tell him to kill them, you know, and all this. But that's just the way everything went back then. I don't, I, you know, that's, that's the way it happened. If you were going to be a new king, the old king had to die. You know, what, they didn't have elections. You know, if, if he was still, if you killed him, then you'd be the next king. And, uh, but anyway, but the Bible says that he did exactly he did exactly what God told him to do. And then he went and, and, and King Ahab was killed and he pushed Jezebel out the window. She broke her neck. She fell out, out the window and hit the ground, broke her neck, and the dogs came and ate her flesh. And, and nobody came to rescue her. And sure enough, Jehu became the, ne- the next king and, and, you know, did good for a while. But the point, the point I'm trying to make is this. When you read that story, you'll notice where was he changed? He was changed in the secret place. The, the prophet pulled him along, got him in secret, got him out by himself, but just, just so God could speak to him. And when, when he gave him the word of the Lord, when he came out of that secret place, he was a new person, had a new mindset. You look at the story of, of Martha, and, Martha and Mary, and, and, and the, the very last scripture of that, in, uh, the very last scripture in Luke chapter 10, We'll look at that scripture real quick and we'll finish up here. Luke chapter 10, verse 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 42. And you know the story of Martha and Mary where, uh, you know, Jesus came and, and, you know, Mary was, Mary was all concerned about, uh, or Martha was all concerned about, you know, fixing supper and, and get, and doing the meals and, 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 uh, I said, what did I say? Luke 10. I'm in John 10. I started to say that. I didn't look her up. <clears throat> yeah, Luke 10, 42. I was, in, I was just in John. And, uh, but Martha was all concerned and she went to Jesus and said, tell, Mar- tell Mary to come help me, you know, and all this stuff. But the very last verse, the very, the very last verse in verse 41 and 42, we'll just look at verse 41. It says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, her Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. And, and that, that word careful there actually is the word uh, marimondo or something like that. And it means a divided mind. Double-minded. She was double-minded. And says you're troubled about many things. And verse 42 says, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. The Amplified says there is, there is need of only one or... Uh, one thing says, Mary has chosen that good portion, that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken from her. The Passion says it this way. I like this too. The Passion says in those last two verses, it says, The Lord answered her and said, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Man, that is good. It says she is undistracted, and I won't take that privilege from her. See, because that tells us a secret. That tells us a, a, I guess, a secret about being in the secret place. That secret of being in the secret place is being undistracted. You can't look at what's going on around you. If you look at Peter, when Peter walked on the water... What happened to Peter? When he walked on the water, the Bible says when he, when he saw the wind, when he looked, he took his eyes off Jesus, he got distracted, and when he got distracted, he started sinking. Jesus, said, Jesus told Martha, He said, Mary is undistracted, and I'm not going to take that from her. In other words, she was in the secret place, and she was where she needed to be. I, I don't know why this is so strong tonight. I mean, in my heart, I mean, I'm hoping it ministers to you. I'm hoping it helps somebody. But I just want to encourage you. Let's not get distracted by everything that's going on around us. Let's learn to live out of the secret place. 
Let's learn to stay at His feet. Let's learn to, to, to trust in Him and rely on Him. All these other things, listen, the Scripture says, you know, you worry about all these other things and you worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, don't, don't, be, don't be off, you know, thinking about all this, all the, what's going to happen tomorrow and next week and next year. You focus on staying in the secret place and God will take care of all that. You know, and, and so I just encourage us as we, as we finish up tonight, I just want to, um, I just want us to, and I, listen, I encourage you to, um, to, to study Psalm 91. Read, you know, read that a couple times in the morning and just, and meditate on it. Not that, not that it's a magic formula. Like I said, it's not a, you know, it's not like you can just read that and then do anything you want to do. I mean, but it just helps you, you know, there's two or three times in there where it talks about the secret place. It talks about getting in the secret place. And, and when you're in that secret place, you're protected. And it just helps us, it helps us focus on staying in the secret place, staying connected to Him, staying focused on Him, staying undistracted. Amen. And when we're undistracted, then you know what? All those, all those things that we read in Psalm 91, all those things start coming into our lives. And that's what God starts doing for us. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me pray for you. So, Father, I just thank you for, um, for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord. I just pray, Father, I pray I got that out the way you wanted me to and, and what you put on my heart to, to share with the people tonight. And, Father, so I just pray that, that each one of us, I pray that each one of us, as we, as we focus on you and as we uh, learn how to live in that secret place, when we learn how to, how to, how to stay undistracted, and, and learn to, to trust You and to rely on You and to hear Your voice more and more in every situation, then, Father, we will be fearless. We will be unbeatable. We'll be unstoppable because, because we're leaning and trusting and relying on You. So I pray blessings on each one tonight, Lord. I pray that, that You would minister to each one, that, that Father, You would help each one of us uh, learn how to, how to stay in that secret place to dwell in that secret place. And, Father, then we, we will see the reward. We will see, uh, Father, that, that, we, that it won't end up, we won't end up like the rest of the world. But, Father, we'll end up with the blessings and the promises and the, the protection of God. So we love you. We honor you. Thank you for giving us such a great evening tonight, Lord. Blessing, blessing each one, Father, that's here and that will hear this message. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And, Father, our eyes are on you. And our focus is on You. We're undistracted tonight, Lord. Just keeping our eyes and our hearts uh, and our thoughts on You tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Alright, God bless you guys.